Well, welcome to Church Unlimited today. So glad you guys are with us. I'm so excited about the series that we began last week. I thought it was going to be one message, but there was so much content. I'm turning into three different messages. It's on the three phases of discipleship. Last week, we started about the first phase, and we're using the Old Testament story of the Israelites being freed from Egypt, going from there to the wilderness, and finally into their promised land. And really, the three phases of our Christian faith are the same. The first is to be freed from our sin, and that's when we receive Christ. We begin to walk away from those old habits, those old ways of living, and then we enter into the wilderness, and that's what we're going to talk about today. Many of us don't like the wilderness. It's not something we really wanted. We, in our minds, thought we we're going to be saved and go straight into this amazing plan that God has, but actually part of the process we all go through are the detours of life, the wilderness we have to go through to then finally get to the promised land. So today is phase two of our Christian faith. And I want to talk about lessons from the wilderness. Now you may be saying, well, pastor, I feel like I'm in the wilderness. This really applies. Or maybe you say, how do you know if you're in a wilderness? Well, really, you know, if you're in a wilderness right now, if you're not where you used to be, God has freed you from your sin, but you're not where you want to be. That means you actually are in that middle phase that we call the wilderness in scripture. The Israelites went through this and God had some very important lessons for them to learn. So I'm going to talk about that this week. The next week, we're going to halt the series because next week is Mother's Day. And mom, we want to honor you. And I'm so excited because next week, my wife, Jessica, will be sharing on Mother's Day. You are not going to want to miss the message. I want to encourage you to, to tune in and invite your friends and your family to tune in as well. We're going to honor moms everywhere. And plus, she just got a great word. Number one, she's a great mom. And so she's an amazing mom, an amazing wife, and her wisdom is just incredible. I can't wait for you to hear her next week. Then after that, I'll complete the series of the three phases of discipleship. So again, please stay with us the next few weeks. Very good stuff going on. And then we'll be talking about when we're going to start phasing back into our facilities. We're not ready to announce yet, but that is coming and we're excited about that. So well, more on that later, but let's jump into the message right now on lessons from the wilderness. So let's first of all, say our mission statement together. What are we here to do as a church? We're here to take as many people to heaven as we can before we die, period. That's what we're all about here at Church Unlimited. Well, I'm going to go through the wilderness story. There's a lot there. So we're going to pick up right after the uh, Israelites leave Egypt, after all the plagues that God brought on Pharaoh to set them free. They leave Egypt and then they go into the wilderness time and they get the Ten Commandments and then they go all the way up to the edge where Moses passes away before they enter into the promised land. And of course, we'll pick up on that on the next part of the series. And so, but let's jump into scripture now. And I wanna give you four simple principles with a conclusion that we can learn from our wilderness experience. Exodus chapter nine, verse one says this. This is what the Lord, the God of the Hebrews says, let my people go so they can worship me. Now, all throughout the time Moses was talking to Pharaoh, he would say again and again, all throughout scripture, he said, God told me to tell you, Pharaoh, let my people go so they can worship me. In other words, God wants to free you from your sin, from your enslavement, for what purpose? To become a worshiper. So this may surprise you, but your worship really says a lot about where you are with God. And so please write this down. God begins to set you apart through worship. So he wants to set you free from your sin and he wants to set you apart into holiness. Holiness means to be set apart for God's work. And so the wilderness you're going through is actually to set you apart to make you different from who you used to be and also different from the world around you. That's what the wilderness experience is all about. And so I just wanna challenge you on this. When's the last time you really got into worship? Maybe just a few moments ago you did during our worship time. 
Maybe for you, you, you recall a time and you were in church and you really experienced God in a fresh way and you just lifted your hands high and began to worship. Maybe tears are going down your face and you said, God, I just thank you for who you are. Or maybe honestly, it's been a long time. Maybe for you, you got to go back a number of years to think about the last time you were just moved emotionally during worship. Maybe for you, you've never felt that way. Maybe for you, honestly, you don't want to say it out loud because it sounds unspiritual, but you may say, I'm just not really into worship. Can I be honest with you? I've typically found that if you're not really into worship, it probably means you're still really into your sin because worship is, is a way that you remember all that God has freed you from, all that you've walked away from. You know, I love going to our student camps each summer and that whenever I'm there, I love it because those students start singing and singing and singing. In fact, oftentimes they sing longer after the sermon than they did before the sermon because God begins to set them free of their sin. They receive Christ. They, they ask for forgiveness for the things they've done and they just keep singing and singing. You know why? Because they're saying, God, thank you that you freed me. Thank you that I've been made new. And I just want to keep singing out to you. Your worship is a good determination of where you are with God. If you are not passionately worshiping God, it may be, that you're still living like you're in Egypt, like you're a slave still when you're not. God doesn't want you just to be free from your sin. He wants you to live like you're free from your sin. He doesn't want you to take your slave mentality with you out of Egypt. Maybe he freed you from those things you used to be caught up in, but you still have that slave mentality, those slave thoughts, those slave habits. When you've been set free, but are you living set free? I just wanna challenge you to begin to shift into high gear in worship, maybe even, becoming more intentional, saying, I'm gonna get the service a little bit early. I'm gonna get my heart right where I'm ready to really honor God and give him my best as I sing to God, as I honor him. And by the way, singing to God is not just worship. Worship happens in all that you do. You can honor God by the way you sweep your porch. You can honor God by the way you clean your house. You can honor God when you're on a run or a walk, just spending that time with God saying, God, I just thank you for who you are. I just wanna just remember all that you have done for me. Over and over in the Bible, there's all these different things that God institutes where he says, I want you to have this or that festival. The festivals weren't just a celebration. It was a reminder of what God had brought his people through. What is worship? It's a reminder to remember, thank you, God, you have set me free. And so you want to be set apart? Remember that you've been set free. Otherwise, you'll go back to the very things that you were set free from. So I want to encourage you to make worship a part of your everyday life. Moving forward in the story, it says in Exodus chapter 13, verse 17, something very interesting. It says, when Pharaoh finally let the people go, God did not lead them along the main road that runs through the Philistine territory, even though that was the shortest route to the promised land. God said, if the people are faced with a battle, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led them in a roundabout way through the wilderness toward the Red Sea. You know how you know you're in the wilderness? because you feel like you're on a roundabout way. What's another word for that? You feel like you're on a detour. You're like, I meant to go there, but then I got sidelined. I got sidetracked. I got set aside rather than set apart. Me meaning maybe you feel like I was set aside by my boyfriend or girlfriend. I didn't expect that. They broke up with me. I was set aside by my spouse. I was set aside at my job. I was set aside from my friends. I felt some betrayal, some difficulties. I felt rejection. And what we see is being set aside from people God uses to set us apart for his work. Many times when things don't go your way, you find yourself in the wilderness. This is an opportunity. Yeah, it's true. You could get to your promised land faster, but you may get there so fast, you're not ready for it. So God knew you're not ready to go the regular route because the regular route leads right into the Philistines, which means you gotta be ready for battle. 
And so the truth is, is that the reason why God wouldn't let the people of Israel go right into an outward battle is because he knew they still had an inward battle they would have to win. So would you write this down? Number two, the wilderness is about winning your inner battles before fighting your outer battles. You see, the truth is God can bless you with the promised land, all those things he wants to do in your life. But if you haven't won some inner battles, you're not ready for it. So he wants you to be ready on the inside. He wants to strengthen you on the inside before he gives you the spoils of war on the outside. So does God wanna bless your life? Absolutely, but the first blessing is an internal blessing saying, God, you're enough. I wanna truly make you my Lord. Now I know you're my savior, you saved me from my sin, but I wanna make you my Lord. I wanna make you my king. I wanna make you my new Pharaoh. I've walked away from the old Pharaoh and all the ways that he enslaved me. And now you're my Pharaoh. I wanna be a servant of you. You're either a servant of Christ or you're a servant of the world. And so I wanna encourage you. Paul actually said, I'm a bond servant of Christ. I am a slave to Christ. And some people say, why would you wanna serve Christ? Well, I would say to you, why would you wanna serve the world? It's broken, it's jacked up, it doesn't work. God has a better way for you to live. It says in Exodus chapter 15, at Mara, he said, if you will listen carefully to the voice of the Lord, obeying his commands, then I will not make you suffer any of the diseases I sent on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. So why would God take the Israelites on a detour? He said, because I need to heal you of your slave mentality. I need to heal you of the abuse you took and know that you are freed from that anger, freed from that resentment, freed from that hurt, freed from that fear. I wanna get you out of a slave mentality and know that you are a child of God. And so I wanna challenge you with this, that it's time to give up your slave ways. You're no longer have to be hooked on the world's way of doing things. God wants to free you, so he puts you in the middle of the wilderness. Can I say something else about the wilderness? It's lonely. I'm just gonna be honest with you. This may surprise you, but a lot of people say, oh, I accepted Christ and my life is renewed and it's new, and it is new. But you know, you can also feel alone in your newness, and you know why? Because let's be honest, we became good friends with our sinful ways. They comforted us. Look, if sin didn't have benefits, we wouldn't do it. There are benefits to sin. Unfortunately, the trade-off is way worse though. So there may be a benefit to living immoral, but guess what? You're bankrupt morally. You're, you feel the shame and the guilt of it. It jacks up your relationships and who you are. And so even though there may be a short-term benefit, the long-term effect is, is far worse. But let's be honest, when you walk away from those things, you'll feel some loneliness. If you're single and you're trying to honor God, you're gonna feel some loneliness. You know why? You won't have a date every weekend because if you're gonna honor God's standard, there's not a lot of people that are doing that. So you're gonna feel a little alone. If you're gonna honor the Lord, you're gonna feel lonely because the things that you used to go to to comfort you, you no longer go to those things. So I wanna challenge you with this to, to understand that when God allows you to feel lonely in the wilderness, guess what you're supposed to fill up with? The Holy Spirit. This is where I go back to worship. Instead of going to those sins that normally comforted you when you were tired or lonely or bored or frustrated, go to the Lord. Let his spirit fill you. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. You see, we keep going to the spirit of the world and it enslaves us. But if you will instead let God fill you, he will keep you in your freedom. Those detours are frustrating. By the way, you know what Mara means? Mara means bitter. You know what? I wanna encourage you. You need to be filled with the presence of God rather than becoming bitter. You know why we get bitter? 
We don't like detours. That means it took longer than we thought. Maybe you're bitter because it's taken longer than you thought to find the person of your dreams. Maybe you're bitter because you thought that person was it and then they broke up with you or didn't work out. Maybe you're bitter because you thought you deserved the promotion and you didn't get it. God's gonna continue to loop you around the wilderness until you depend upon him instead of that job, instead of that position, instead of making a name for yourself in your industry. God's saying, no, 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 trust in me. My identity is more important that you know that you're a child of God than whether you're a big deal in the world. And so God will oftentimes put you on a detour. You can either choose to become bitter or you can become better. I wanna challenge you, don't get bitter when you get the bitter waters of Mara, which is where they drank water, it was bitter. In other words, detours don't feel good. Don't let it anger you. Instead, trust the Lord when things don't work out. We can all trust God when things work out. Do you trust God when things are not going like you want? When you didn't get what you wanted, when you wanted it, the way you wanted it. Will you still trust the Lord? Don't become bitter, trust the Lord. On the same thing, look at Exodus chapter 16. Then the Lord said to Moses, I have heard the Israelites' complaints. Now tell them in the evening, you will have meat to eat. In the morning, you will have all the bread you want. Then you will know that I am the Lord, your God. This is important. When they were in Egypt, they didn't have enough. They were living in a land of not enough. Now they're in the wilderness and God's teaching them to live in a land of just enough. God is just enough for you. And so when you're hungry, he's just enough. When you, you may say, well, I feel like I'm broke. Maybe you feel broke, but I've got your paying your bills. God will help you have just enough. Guess what? That's a season to trust the Lord. God's trying to show you Pharaoh's not your resource. God's saying, I'm your source. Everything else is a resource. I'm the source. Trust the Lord. He is your source. And when you feel empty, fill up on the Holy Spirit. Fill up on his word and his truth. Fill up on his promises. Look what scripture says, Exodus chapter 19. Now, if you will obey me and keep my covenant, you will be my own special treasure from among all the peoples on earth. For all the earth belongs to me and you will be my kingdom of priests, my holy nation. Holy means set apart. To be a holy nation means to be morally pure and to be dedicated to the service of God. God wants you to be dedicated to him. Then it says this, this is the message you must give to the people of Israelites. And of course, of Israel. Then we know that God gave them the 10 commandments while they were in the wilderness. God gave his word to them. It says in Exodus chapter 24, then he took the book of the covenant and read it aloud to the people. Again, they all responded, we will do everything the Lord has commanded. We will obey. Can that be said of you? We say, God, I'm in the wilderness. I feel like I don't have what I want. I'm not where I was, so I'm not where I wanna be, but God, your word is enough. Your presence is enough. Your provision is enough. You, God, are enough. I'm not gonna complain. I'm gonna trust in you. It says here they were complaining. They were in the middle of a miracle. They used to be slaves. And now just weeks later, they're free. Yet they were complaining to God. Some of them even said, man, I wish we could just go back to Egypt. At least we knew where we could lay our head. At least we knew we'd have a meal. They literally would rather be enslaved just so they could know where their next meal's coming from. Let me ask you something. Are you complaining in the middle of a miracle right now? This is a big deal to God. Those of you who are parents, I bet it's a big deal, big deal to you. You don't want your kids complaining, do you? Have you ever had a kid that obeyed but complained while they did it? Didn't feel like obedience, did it? Because it's, it's about the heart, it's about the attitude, it's about your disposition towards your authority, right? God's saying to us today, don't complain in the middle of your miracle. Are you complaining about the husband that you dreamed and prayed to have, that you now have? Are you complaining about the wife that you dreamed and prayed to have that you now have? Are, are you, did you pray for years to be able to get pregnant and now that kid's two years old and you're complaining about him? Are you complaining about the job that you prayed that God would give you? 
Are you complaining about something that God's done for you now? Rather than recognizing, wait, I'm complaining in the middle of a miracle. Let's have the right disposition towards God and say, God, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your blessing. Right now, it's easy to complain, isn't it? Let's be honest, right? I mean, things are shut down. You can't go to the mall, can't go to church, can't go to the movie theater. I mean, the only place you can really go is Walmart or HEB or you know, some grocery store. That's about it. And so it's easy to complain. But instead, we should say, God, I thank you that even in the midst of this crisis, we're still in one of the greatest nations in the whole world. We thank you, God, that you're still with us. We thank you that we can still worship freely. Or we thank you that we can still gather even online. Thank you, God, you're still with us. Let's not complain. Let's honor the Lord. Let's keep our hand lifted high to God. Instead of being frustrated, open that palm and say, God, I thank you for your goodness. I trust in you. Let's not be complainers. Now, the next thing we need to know is this. It says in Exodus chapter 32, the Lord told Moses, quit, go down the mountain. This one, he's up the mountain talking to God and getting the 10 commandments. God says to him, quit, go down the mountain. Your people whom you brought from the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. How quickly they have turned away from the way I commanded them to live. They have melted down gold and made it a calf and they have bowed down and sacrificed to it. They're saying, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Then the Lord said, I have seen how stubborn and rebellious these people are. He says, Moses, here you are trying to get my word to bring to them. And they're making a calf out of gold to worship. Now you may think, I would never do, I would never do that. I mean, Pastor Bill, I would never make a golden calf. To work. That's ridiculous. Are you sure about that? Are you sure we have no idols in our lives? Because an idol is anything you put between you and God. Has God told you about a relationship that he wants you to walk from, but you stubbornly hold on to it? That's an idol. Has God asked for something from you that you're unwilling to give him? That's an idol. Is God calling you to do something and you just are reluctant? Then maybe you are the idol saying, I wanna be in charge, I wanna be God. Maybe you're trying to present yourself in a way online and you're idolizing yourself and the image you created to put out to the world. I don't know what it is that you're idolizing, but we all can build ourselves some false idols. I wanna challenge you not to do this. God has a better way. Look what it says in James 1. This is what it does to us when we do that. It says, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord or an Old Testament way of saying that, you shouldn't expect to enter your promised land. If one day you're following God, the next day you're worshiping idols, don't expect God to bless you with the promised land. It goes on to say this, their loyalty is divided between God and the world and they are unstable in everything they do. Could you be saying, oh God, I wanna enter my promised land. God, you promised me one day I'll meet the man or woman of my dreams. And God's saying, yes, and as soon as you're stable, I'll do that. But right now, one day you're on with God, the next day you're off. One day you're following the Lord, the next day you're not. One day you're honoring me in church, the next day you're going to a club. You're not stable. Why would I bring the person of your dreams so you could mess it up? Oh Lord, please bless me with the job of my dreams, the income of my dreams. And God's like, so you're not gonna tithe me off what you make now. You're unstable, you're unfaithful, but yet you want me to bless you with more to be unfaithful with? God's saying to you and me, I could give you your promised land, but if you don't grow on the inside, you can actually wreck it. So God in his love detours you and me to get us ready. So when he blesses us, it can be a sustained blessing. 
rather than giving it to someone who is unstable in their faith and in their lifestyle. God wants us to be stable. He wants us to be of one mind focused on the Lord. Number four is let God break you of stubbornly building idols in your life. Another translation where it says that he calls us stubborn, he calls us stiff-necked. You know what it is to be stiff-necked? A stiff neck is, is like this. If you're, if you're not stiff-necked, you're not stubborn. If someone says, hey, would you help with this or do that? You would say, huh? Oh yeah, what's that? Okay, you got it. What, what do you need? Right, I'm not stiff-necked. But if I'm stiff-necked, someone says, hey, I want you to do this for me. And I, I don't respond fast. I'm like, what do you want? Do I really have to do that? I'm being stiff-necked. I'm not quick to respond. Let me ask you something when it comes to your walk with God. You may be saying, like kids tend to do, well, I obeyed you. Yeah, after I argued with you for 20 minutes about it, you obeyed me. That's not really the obedience I'm looking for here. Are we that way with God? God gives us his will and then we argue with him about whether we wanna do it or not. And then we finally give in to doing it. God's like, why would I bless you with the promised land if you're gonna argue with me and I'm giving you enough right now, then why would I give you more than enough, which is what the promised land is. You see, when you're enslaved and you're in the world, you don't have enough. You're living in the land of not enough. Then you go to the wilderness and it's the land of just enough. But God wants to get you to the promised land, which is a world, a land of more than enough. Why would God do that if you're complaining and arguing with God now over simple things that you're supposed to obey him in? Of course, it's gonna involve sacrifice. Of course, you're gonna feel alone sometimes. Of course, you're gonna feel empty at times because you're emptying yourself of you. You're emptying yourself of your sin. But God's supposed to refill you with him, with his purpose and his plans. You have to learn to make him your Lord. You got to get out of the mindset of obeying and honoring Pharaoh, the world, and instead obey and honor the Lord, the one true God. Just want to challenge you with another thing too. You remember the, the Red Sea? People tend to focus on the fact that the Red Sea parted and they ran through it. And I think that's great, of course. And it's an incredible miracle. I mean, I can imagine, I can't wait in heaven to see like movie day where they show us how that really happened. It's going to be amazing. But my favorite part is not the part where the Red Sea parts. It's where the Egyptians are running after him. The world is running after you, trying to get you enslaved again. And then God says, if you'll just keep focused on me and keep walking, I will let the waters come in and I will engulf. I will cover the very things that enslaved you. Some of us are busy trying to cover our tracks, cover our sin. But instead, don't try to cover it anymore. Just walk away and keep walking with God. If there's a sidewalk near you or a, or a road near you and no one walked on that sidewalk, no one kept it up anymore, no one walked on that road or drove on that road anymore, over time, the grass on both sides would actually overcome the road until you couldn't even see it anymore. You wanna know how you get away from your past? You just keep walking with God every day and eventually time, just like the water of the Red Sea, just covers up and drowns out all those memories. And you forget the things you used to even do. You forget the places you used to even go. You forget the people you did those things with because God has a future for you. Let him drown out your past. It's covered, it's forgiven, and he now wants to remove it from you forever. Don't be stiff-necked, obey him, follow him. God has big plans for your life. But remember this, when you want God to promote you, when you want God to bless you, when you wanna to begin to enter your promised land, he won't let you enter your promised land until you are faithful and dedicated to him, not unstable, not going back and forth between the world and, and God, but you fully commit to God and it's gonna cost you. Did you think real discipleship was not gonna cost you? Of course, it's gonna cost you your comfort. It's gonna cost you financially. It's gonna cost you emotionally cutting off some relationships. It's gonna cost you your comforts. 
because that's to live a life of sacrifice, to make God the Lord of your life. He says, I want to make you a, my special possession, my people, to be a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. What does holy mean? Set apart. First of all, God set me free. Second of all, Lord, set me apart. And Lord, if I'll let you set me apart, then I know, Lord, you'll do the next part. Then you'll set me up. And being set up means God helps you enter your promised future. But guess who didn't get to the promised land? This may surprise you. Moses. Here he is, the patriarch of the Old Testament. I mean, he's the guy, right? I mean, you're thinking, this guy helped set the people free. Why would he miss the promised land? Well, I don't have time to cover all the scripture, but I can tell you, if you go to Numbers chapter 20, there's a story in there where God says to Moses, the people were thirsty and God tells Moses in there, and he says, hey, Moses, grab your staff. And he says, now I want you to go get in front of the rock and gather all the people around this rock right here and speak to the rock and tell it to provide water and it will, and the people can drink. So Moses gathers everyone up, he's frustrated, he's, he's tired. He takes this, the staff he has, and he does something he's done before, which oftentimes we do that. We rely on what God used to do rather than what God wants to do today in our lives. Are you still living on yesterday's miracle? God has something new to do for you today. And so instead of speaking to the rock, he strikes the rock. In fact, he says to the people, fine, you want water? I'll give you water. Then he strikes the rock. And you know what? God honored that because the people did need water. So God did provide a miracle and water came out of the rock. But Moses and God knew that Moses did not do what God said. He didn't say, strike the rock. He said, speak to it. No one else noticed that but Moses and God. And God told him, he didn't take him from his position. You can be a great mom, a great dad. You can have a great position. You can even be a pastor. And everyone looks at you and says, wow, look, you're so holy. But you know in your heart, you didn't fully obey God. And God will tell you, if you don't do that, I will not let you enter the promised land. I'll let you keep your position. I'll let you keep the respect that people have for you, but you will not enter into the promise because I couldn't trust you. In fact, you know where this happened? It happened in a place called, called Mirabah. Guess what Mirabah means? It means arguing. If you're always arguing with God, don't expect promised land. Moses argued with God. He won his way. He began to believe that he was giving the people water rather than God giving them the water. You see the reason why God said grab the staff because that was the same staff that was with him at the very beginning when he was at the burning bush. God was trying to say, don't forget at the very beginning it was me. In the middle it's me. And at the end of your life, it's still me. But we tend to start to think that we're the ones who do stuff. Oh, it's my gifts. It's my talents. It's, it's who I am. And God's like, no, it's not Moses. It's me. And because you trusted in you, because you trusted in your persona, in your name, in your renown, in, your, in, in, in the way you are, in, in your reputation, you trusted how you look to people rather than trusting in the Lord, you don't get the promise. Now, God blessed Moses in an amazing way, but he did not enter into the fullness of what God had for him. I wanna encourage you right now. Maybe no one else knows, but you know that there's something God's saying, you need to obey me fully. And God is telling you and me today, if you do not obey me in this area, I will withhold the fullness of my blessing from you. You will not experience all I have for you until God says, I experience all of your obedience. So if you don't give me all of your obedience, I will not give you all of my blessing. I don't know about you, but I don't wanna miss that. Look what this says in scripture in Deuteronomy chapter 32. You failed to demonstrate my holiness to the people of Israel there. So you will see the land from a distance, but you may not enter the land I'm giving to the people of Israel. You're gonna see it. You're not gonna get it, Moses. Wow. The reason this is so powerful to me because Moses is the man. 
And isn't it funny how we start to rely on other things too? Like, but, but, but my family, we're so spiritual. I come from the right side of the tracks. I got a great education. I know the word of God. We, we think we look so spiritual to everyone else's so we can have it together. And everyone goes, wow, look at you. And you can still miss out on all that God has for you. Don't miss out. Obey the Lord fully. Don't argue with him. God doesn't bless his bratty kids. God doesn't give the promised land to those who argue and complain. He gives the promised land to those who willingly and gladly obey and obey immediately and with a right heart, and with the right attitude. God, give me an obedient spirit. I wanna serve you fully. I don't wanna try to take charge of my own life. Lord, you're in charge of my life. Will you give God your all? What does this mean? Here is the conclusion. Preparation for the promised land means this. For God to set you apart with blessings, you must first be set apart with loyalty towards him. He wants to set you apart with blessings, but you gotta prove that you are loyal to him first. And if you'll do that, then there's nothing God won't give you. God will give you all that he has for you if you will give all that you are to him. So there's three phases in our discipleship. The first is, Lord, set me free from my sin. The second, the wilderness is, Lord, set me apart for your purpose. And the third phase, we're gonna talk about this next, is, Lord, now set me up in your will. And he will do that, but you first have to be set apart. You cannot skip this step and expect to get the promised land. You will not be able to push your way in. You cannot manufacture it. Only God can do what only God can do. Obey him fully and he will give you his land of promise. I wanna encourage you right now as we just take a moment to pray. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, just take a moment. Are you where you need to be with God? Maybe for you, you're not where you were. God has set you free from your sin, from your old way of living, but you keep maybe running back to it. That's why the Bible says over and over again, remember what I set you free from. You remember so that you don't go back to it. Maybe for you today, your prayer is, God, forgive me because I know you, Lord. I know, Jesus, you've saved me, but I keep returning to the same things. Proverbs says, like a dog returning to its vomit. Oh, what a gross illustration. A dog would lick up their own vomit. Why do we do that? It already made us sick the first time and then we go back and consume it again, only for, us, for it to make us sick again. We keep returning to the things that destroy us. Maybe your prayer today is to say, God, please forgive me. I keep returning to old ways. Lord, I know I've been set free. So Lord, help me not to have a slave mentality. Help me to live like the free man or woman in Christ that I am. Maybe sure your prayer today is to say, God, I wanna to depend totally on you. I have just enough. And rather than complaining that I don't have more, I'm gonna thank you for what I do have so that you can trust me, Lord, so I can enter the land of more than enough. Maybe for you, your prayer today is to say, God, forgive me, I've been complaining. I realize that the detour that frustrates me is actually your purpose. You have a plan in the detour of my life to grow me up, to help me become what you want. I didn't get the job I wanted, didn't get the relationship I wanted, didn't get the situation I wanted because you didn't get the servant you wanted. So God, change me first. Help me to win the inner battle, to be who you've called me to be so that then all those promises will be fulfilled in my life because I obeyed you, because I served you, because I put you first with the right heart and the right attitude. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, make that your prayer. Or maybe today you've never received Christ as your Lord and your Savior. We go back to last week, we talked about how the Israelites were told 
to kill a lamb, put the blood over the doorpost of your home, and then the wrath of God will pass over you because of the blood and take the firstborn of the Egyptians. What does that mean? That's a representation of Christ who shed his blood. He's called the lamb of God. And because he died for you, the wrath of God, what we deserve for our sin is for us to die. We don't get that. It passes over us because we have accepted Christ into our heart. You can receive Christ right now. Pray this simple prayer with me right now, wherever you are, pray this out loud. You can say, dear Jesus, I realize I need you. I believe you died for my sin. And I believe you rose again. I ask you to come into my heart, be my Lord and be my savior. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. In your name we pray, amen. Isn't God good? His word is so true.